The Oklahoma City Thunder play a postseason game tonight. What do you need to know? What's the best, most likely, and worst case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder in this game? Plus, the biggest storylines and X factors to watch for the Thunder all coming up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com on today's show. It's brought to you by HelloFresh. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. What's the best Worst and most likely case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. The biggest storylines to watch for, the X factors, and our prediction for tonight's postseason game. Go on over to HelloFresh, though. Skip uh, the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash NBA60. Use code NBA60 for 60% off plus free shipping. So let's start with the game overview in this one. What do you need to know about this contest? It starts at 8.30 Central Time here in Oklahoma land. And of course, put that in the time frame and the time zone of your choosing. It'll be on ESPN, a nationally televised game. No local broadcast for this one. Winner will advance to play on Friday and have a shot to go play Denver if they win that game. The loser of this game is out. The Thunder are 40 and 42. The Pelicans are 42 and 40. This game is in New Orleans. The injury report, Chet Holmgren out, Kenny Hustle out, Pokashevsky out, and Olivier Saar and Jared Butler are not eligible to play. They're out because they're on two-way contracts. For the Pelicans, Jose Alvarado is out. Zion Williamson is out. And EJ Liddell is out. Here's a big one. Larry Nance Jr. is questionable. Now, it's the playoffs. I would imagine that he's going to play. But if he can't play, if he gets downgraded, it is a huge blow to New Orleans. New Orleans won the season series three games to one. Brandon Ingram only played in one of those games. However, CJ McCollum played in two of the four games. SGA played in all four. For the Thunder, though, they did have some different shakeups as well to this rotation. In those four games, you, you saw Pokashevsky, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and Trey Mann get big minutes in most of them. And in the first game, you saw Wiggins and Isaiah Joe get DNP CDs and have limited roles in the second game before they eventually played a, a better style. Wiggins only played one of these four games. We got 10 or more minutes in the contest. So we'll see a heavier dose of Wiggins tonight, which usually is a good thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. No 10 seed has ever beaten a 9 seed. However, that's a bit skewed because no 10 seed has actually been relevant and competitive. Like the Spurs were 14 games under 500. Uh, the Hornets were not very good. Like no 10 seed has ever been in a position to actually compete. Not to say the Thunder will win tonight, but it, but it's also like 
not a death sentence the way that it sounds just because the Thunder are the first real uh, competitive tenth seed in either conference. So they're the ones that have the best shot to do it and the best shot to pull off this upset and make some history on the road in New Orleans. So what we're going to do today is take you through the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, and the most likely case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder, as well as give you our predictions for the game, the X factors, what is going to happen, what you can absolutely count on happening, and what you should watch for with the storylines and more. So let's dive into it. The best, worst, and most likely case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder against the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. Let's start with the worst case scenario. The, this is the one I think is the least likely to happen. Not because it's the worst case scenario, just because of like all that would have to go wrong for OKC. Uh, so the Pelicans continue to force turnovers. That would be the worst case scenario, factor number one. Shea has four turnovers. Giddy has three. The team has 12, 13, 14, 15 turnovers. And they just cannot control a possession. That would be strike one. If Lou Dort and Isaiah Joe are not connecting from three, that is strike two. If Valanciunas is grabbing 18-plus rebounds, that's strike three. 15, 16, 17, 18 rebounds, that's strike three. And then you could see off of that, you know, maybe Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, J-Dub, maybe he reverts back to being more of a play-within-the-flow type of player. We've never seen him on this big stage. We've never seen him as a postseason player. We've never seen him in this role as a rookie. So if he's not aggressive, then things can go south for Oklahoma City. And then if Josh Giddy struggles to score the ball against a really good Pelicans defense, things can go south for Oklahoma City. So if all those things happen, at that point you're left with just SGA, who we think can can be a uh, huge bucket getter for you on the offensive end. And then you're left with, Valanciunas is obviously doing work if he's gotten 15-plus rebounds. And then Brandon Ingram and, 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 and CJ McCollum are two really good postseason players, and they're going to get their buckets. And so to compound all of that, the worst-case scenario is all of that stuff happens, and then you see OKC's late to close out on shooters. They're late to rotate. Uh, the Pelicans are swinging the ball well. Their role players are stepping up because role players play better at home. They're knocking down their corner threes as OKC kind of does that whole collapse in the paint and sprint out and try to close out game, and it just does not work, and the Pelicans start to roll. And then for the youngest team in the NBA and the second youngest team in NBA history, it all starts to spiral. That's the worst-case scenario for Oklahoma City. Here's why I don't think that will happen. It's because we have a four-game sample size. And while there's been a lot of variables in that four-game sample size, there has been a constant in that four-game sample size, which has been incredibly close games. And so if the worst-case scenario happens, if we laid out all these things that could go wrong, that would spell a Pelicans blowout win at home. But history of the season tells us these two teams are going to play extremely close. So that means all these things can't go wrong if these two teams are going to continue to play extremely close. So we're going to give you the best and most likely case scenario. The best case scenario for OKC is pretty much flipping that on its head. It's Lou Dort makes three threes. Isaiah Joe makes three threes. And so then you have six triples just right off the shoot right there. SGA drops 30 to 40 points. He's back in his normal rotation and arguably playing more than his normal rotation would be, playing the full first quarter, full third quarter, and then coming back at you know the six-minute mark 
in, in the second and the th- second and fourth quarter. I would argue bring him back like the seven minute mark in, in a playoff series in a playoff game, maybe even ten if you want to get really crazy. Um, you know, but he's playing a lot because it's a winner go home game, so that spells good for Oklahoma City. Uh, again, if Dort and, and Joe are hitting their threes, that's awesome. If Josh Giddy is scoring effectively inside, that's the best case scenario for OKC because Josh Giddy against this tough New Orleans uh, defense, albeit a small sample size, low shot volume, and only four games, he's shooting 43% from three against New Orleans this season. And then Jadub, instead of being kind of a more play in the flow, continues to look like he has over the last couple of months and is aggressive offensively is able to score somewhere from 15 to 20 points uh, on good efficiency and is a nice outlet for Shea off of those double teams. I think that the best case scenario also is those rotations we talk about are crisp out to the rest of the Pelicans. Cause look, you're not going to be able to defend Brandon Ingram and CJ. Like those are two guys that are not only good just in the, in the scope of basketball, but specifically in playoff basketball, those two guys play extremely well in the postseason. So you're not going to limit them. Even though you have Lou Dort, even though you have J-Dub, even though you have a good team team concept, concept of defense, even though you have SGA, who ranks as an excellent defender on Synergy, even though you have all those things, those two guys are going to get theirs. I think that's pretty reasonable to say. But, but how you rotate and close out on the rest of the Pelicans is going to be a big deal. And if you can do that at a high clip, it's going to allow you to, to pull off this game. And then it brings us to J-Will. I think that the best-case scenario is J-Will hits his first three, so then the Pelicans are on guard, then you're drawing out Valanciunas from the rim as a rim protector. You're drawing him out to the perimeter, and that starts to lay the foundation of playing him off the floor. J-Will gets two charges, which really helps you uh, defend the rim on the ground and lays some really good screens to help you know free up Shea and hunt mismatches. Uh, along the way in the postseason half-court set, slowed-down type of offense. And one thing about J-Will over these four games, now granted, he only played in a couple of them because you know we all know what happened in November and December and how he wasn't really in the rotation that heavily at that point. Uh, but when he did play, he used his body extremely well. And it, it might surprise you if you go back and just look at the box score, like, oh, he had three rebounds, whatever. But he only had three rebounds, but he was a major key in freeing up a long bounce for SGA to corral, for Josh Giddy to corral, for these other players on the Thunder to get the rebound. He did a great job uh, fighting for position and boxing out Jonas. So can he do that again in the postseason? That will be a huge deciding factor. So you take all of this into consideration, and then you go with the fact that, you know, the Thunder can keep this game close in the first half, you know, within 10 points at halftime. Then we know they have a very, very, very good third quarter. And then at that point, you've made it a close game in the fourth. And in the fourth quarter, it's going to be star versus star. And in the playoffs, you typically side with who has the best player on the floor. And in this matchup, we talked about it yesterday with Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans. Who's the best player on the floor? This season, it's been SGA. So at that point, you side with the best player in a playoff game. Now, let's talk the most likely case scenario. Let's talk predictions. Let's talk X-Factors. Let's talk biggest storylines for this game for the Oklahoma City Thunder. All coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, folks. It's incredible. Go to probasketball.com, probasketballgm.com. Go to the App Store, get the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM game, and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON in the GameStop uh, shop 
for a 100% free boost for your franchise. You're going to need it. It's going to come in handy. Trust me. Uh, it's awesome over there at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It is the coolest game I've played in such a long time. And I've always thought I could be a great GM. Turns out it's pretty hard. It's not that easy. So we have our own little internal competition going on at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM here at Locked On. And all of our NBA hosts are in this pool and we're trying to win championships. And I haven't gotten my ring just yet, but I think that uh, I think it's on the way. This season, we're having a pretty good year. So hopefully this will be the time that I get to break through on Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You can try to do it too uh, by downloading the game and using code Locked On in the game store. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Please check out the Lockdown NBA show for the national perspective on all of basketball. That'll be very important as well. They'll have you covered for recaps and previews and all that good stuff. The most likely case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder is the constant factor. We mentioned it. In the last segment, the constant has been close games. In close games, you have one of the most clutch players in the league. You have one of you know the, the, the players that you would trust with the ball in his hands. So do the Pelicans. I mean, they, they would trust Brandon Ingram. But you take the tough shot making of SGA and you live with your chances if you can make this a close game in a last possession game with SGA on your team. So the close game can favor OKC despite the age, despite the inexperience, despite um, being on the road. I think that realistically what's going to happen is only one of Lou Dort or Isaiah Joe shoots the ball well. Because again, just like the worst case scenario is not going to happen, the very, very, very best case scenario is not going to happen either. So I think you're going to play in a close game. I think that only one of Lou Dort or Isaiah Joe will shoot the ball well from beyond the arc. And so from there, you're going to see... OKC struggle for a specific stint, like five, six, seven minutes of struggling basketball, and everyone's going to tweet, it's over, season's over, this was a disaster. You're going to see them play extremely great for an eight to ten minute stretch, and everyone's going to be back on board of, okay, they're going to win this game, they're going to go upset the the, the Nuggets, and all is going to be incredible. And at the end of the day, I think you're going to also see SGA have at least 35 points in this one. Each team's going to have a surprise 10-point score. I think that each team will have um, a player in which we leave this game and the other fan base is saying, how the heck did X player get 10 points on us in this playoff game? And I think that the two will trade possessions back and forth each possession in the fourth quarter. It'll be back and forth game, and it comes down to who has the ball last. And we've seen what Lou Dort does in that scenario against Kawhi Leonard. Now, granted, you know, Brandon Ingram has the height advantage on Lou Dort, and so that gives him a huge advantage, and he actually uh, shoots well over Lou Dort, even over Lou Dort contests uh, extremely well. But you do have Lou Dort, who has been in the scenario before, who has played defense at this level in the postseason before, albeit in the bubble, so different experience in doing it on the road. But uh, there's no denying Lou Dort half-court setting, slow pace, last position of the game, can defend at a high clip. So you have him on the other end, and you have SGA offensively, who you trust to get a bucket even while triple teamed at the elbow. So you take that. You take that 10 times out of 10. You sign the dotted line to say the most likely case scenario is a close game at the end, 
and you put the ball in your best player's hand and see what happens. You put the ball in your 30-point-per-game scorer's hand and you see what happens. Because there's no do-overs. There's no series. There's no adjustments game-to-game. There'll be adjustments within this game itself, but not game-to-game. There's no breathing room. There's heightened pressure. And all that pressure is on the Pelicans. Like The only team that can lose and this be a disaster is the Pelicans. If the Thunder lose, they get applause, they get flowers, okay, good run, you know, you're going to get Chet healthy, uh, see how you develop this summer, and you'll be back next year. If the Pelicans lose, on top of the Zion drama, on top of everything that's happened, the, the, you know, the, the terrible uh, you know, January stretch for them, uh, ending the season since January below 500, I believe, like, you know, with all that, with each passing mess up, you just collapsed on Sunday, with each passing mess up, you're going to see the pressure continue to mount on them and how do they react to it. So the pressure's not all on OKC, despite being the youngest team, despite not being in this position before, despite you know not having the experience that, that, that New Orleans does. The pressure's on New Orleans because no one expects the Thunder to win this game. And with that, you just have to feel confident in this is going to be a close game and you have a 30-point-per-game score. You take those two factors and you live with them Every single day. So my prediction is that in this game, I think OKC has been the better team of the two since January, which is a pretty good sample size. I think OKC has the best player on the court. I think OKC has the best coach in the matchup. I think OKC has the time off, the rest, and the preparation advantage. The Thunder regulars have not played since Thursday. They've gotten two practices in this week, while the Pelicans have only had one practice. And I think that OKC, with the better coach, the better players, the better rest advantage, despite going on the road, will win this game and will beat New Orleans. And as I mentioned before, it's not like it's a lock or anything. I mean, it's going to come down to all these factors we've laid out and the best and the worst and the most likely case scenario. But I think OKC wins this game. I think OKC gets it done in New Orleans, and then they head off to play on Friday for a chance to go play against Denver. But there will be X factors in this game, which we're going to get to. But after we laid out the most likely, the best, and the worst-case scenario for OKC, you do the same in the comment section down below on YouTube or on Twitter, um, at Ryland underscore Styles. What can you count on to happen? Like, not most likely, but count on. I think you can count on SGA... Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum going off. Going off. I think you can count on at least two to three runs from both teams where it looks like they're going to take control of the game. And their fan base is freaking out, positively and negatively. I think you can count on a quick timeout to start one of the four quarters from Mark. I think you can count on a few bad calls for each side because each call gets heightened, and so our reaction to them gets heightened. And as I mentioned before, I think you can count on a surprise performance, a 10-plus point game from a surprise player that we're really not thinking of or rating highly enough in these discussions right now. And so of those seven things, or however many there were, I'm I'm interested to see how this this shakes out, how this shakes out for OKC, how this shakes out uh, for New Orleans. And... The Thunder are once again playing with house money. Now, who are the biggest X-Factors? What are the biggest storylines to watch for in this game? We're going to get to all of that coming up. But first, 
I want to say right now, my good friends over at FanDuel, folks. FanDuel is incredible. FanDuel is where you want to go. And the reason why I want to say about FanDuel is not only are they America's number one sports book, but also the line for this game is incredibly interesting to see what Vegas thinks and the moneymakers think are going to happen tonight in New Orleans. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn uh, to see these lines in action. Tonight, the Thunder are five-and-a-half-point underdogs in New Orleans. That line, I think, is interesting whenever you consider the Thunder have not lost by more than four points to New Orleans all year. Their losses have been by four points, three points, three points. Like the, the losses have been close for OKC, and they've been within five. So I would feel pretty comfortable if you wanted to responsibly put some money on it to, to say OKC plus five-and-a-half in this one because that's just what the one constant variable has been in these series. So check it out today as the postseason heats up in uh, the NBA. Also, grand slams, no hitters, the cycle, double plays are all back, and there's no better place to go bet on MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So check it out today, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win up to $1,000. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Who are the X factors for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I think that they're pretty simple. The biggest X factor to me is Lou Dort. Is Lou Dort going to have a quarter where he makes three threes? Is he going to have a game where he makes six? Like, that changes the entire complexity of this game if he's going to hit three to six threes. Or is he going to go 0 for 6 from beyond the arc? That changes the entire game as well. I think Lou Dort is the swing piece here. If Lou Dort shoots well from 3, I'd have a hard time seeing the Thunder losing if he's shooting well from 3. Shoots poorly from 3, then it trickles down to guys like Isaiah Joe, the second X factor. He's got to be on. And this is where it's time to, to truly see if what I've been saying is right, I think that Isaiah Joe can stay on the floor in the postseason. I don't think that even as the postseason you know, evolves into this hunting mismatches, pick and roll heavy game, where you're just searching out the the, the best mismatch for your uh, for your best player. I think that when even if you get an Isaiah Joe switch, he can just be so pesky. He can just stay connected to your hip so well that he is going to be able to stay on the floor given what he provides you offensively. Uh, with that, though, you've got to knock down triples. You've got to hit from beyond the arc. So can he be on offensively? And then Josh Giddy, we mentioned he's shooting 43% from three against New Orleans. If he's on at the rim and we know what he does as a passer and he leads the team in rebounding, like this is going to be a really good moment and in, 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 in platform for Josh Giddy. And the thing about Josh Giddy and J-Dub, while they're both X-Factors, X is because we've seen them both play some of their best basketball in settings like this, in opportunities like this, where the stage is is high, the stakes are high, and you're at a point where it all comes down to this. And then the J-Will against Valanciunas matchup, I think, is the biggest X factor as well, one of the biggest X factors as well, uh, because I think that J-Will can hold his own, but he's a rookie. And then, like rookies are, are apt to to get exposed, so to say, or like exposed what they need to work on in the postseason, and Valanciunas has postseason experience out the wazoo, specifically in this playing game. He's played the most playing games out of anybody in the league history. Uh, like he's going to be able to uh, keep it cool in the situation. Can Jay will do the same? Can Jay will stay on the floor 
um, in this one will be huge as well for a big man, a rookie big man. And then Wiggins minutes. Like, he should play a billion minutes in this game. He should play 30-plus minutes in this game. Uh, but can you find those minutes for him? Can you find 25 to 30 minutes for him in this game? There should be you know, really no excuses for him not, not to play 25-plus minutes in this contest. So I really think that the X factor here will be Wiggins minutes because the, the Pelicans have not gotten a dose of Wiggins minutes. And he, I think, is a big factor and a big swing piece for the Thunder because of all he provides you defensively, because of what he can do from beyond the arc top of the key, because of what he can do as a cutter. So uh, I am very interested to see how many minutes Wiggins plays and when they go to him uh, and kind of how Mark handles it. Which brings us to our biggest storylines. Mark's first playoff game. What wrinkles does he have to junk up this game and to try to throw off CJ and BI? What adjustments does he make and how quickly does he make them? If Lou Dort goes 0 for 2 to start from beyond the arc and has a bad drive to the rim and, and, and flips up a bad shot and misses it off the backboard, like does, does he immediately go to Wiggins or does he say, hey, I got to trust my guy? Like, this is the guy I want to go to battle with. This is the guy I want to go to war with. He's so good defensively. I got to trust my guy here. Or is he a guy that makes it, or, or is Mark a guy that makes quick adjustments and, and makes and makes quick decisions in a, in a win or go home game? I want to see what he's like in this environment. I think that Mark is the best coach in Thunder history. I think he's the best coach on the court uh, in this game. Uh, I think he's one of the best coaches in the in the NBA. However, we don't, as a community in the NBA, don't take any of this into account until we see it in the postseason. So this is the first time he's going to truly be under the microscope, uh, especially nationally, to uh, to kind of make a name for himself as well, just like the players can. Uh, SGA's first playoff game was the guy. I think that he'll come in with a great outfit. <laughs> I think he'll come in uh, and 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 be very marketable and have a great game. And if they win, have a great Instagram post. And I think it's going to be awesome to, to watch and just a big storyline to follow. We mentioned it before, but Josh Giddy and J-Dub's role as the best, uh, as they play their best ball whenever the lights are brightest. So can they continue that trend? Josh Giddy against Dyson Daniel. Not sure like how much Dyson Daniels is going to play. But like it'd be fun to watch those two guys from the NBA Academy go at it and from uh, their time together and their history together. Herb Jones versus SGA, Dort versus CJ, J-Dub versus BI, J-Will versus Jonas Valanciunas. I think that those are the matchups that will decide the game. How many of these can you win? Can you win the SGA versus Herb Jones matchup? Can you win the Dort versus CJ matchup? Can you win the J-Dub versus BI matchup? Can you win the J-Will-Jonas matchup? How many of those can you win? How many of those can you make a wash? And then how many of those do you lose and by how much? Like th- I think that would decide the game right then and there. And... The rotation. I think that we know the starters are going to be SGA, Giddy, Dort, Dub, and Whale. Beyond them, though, who plays? You have to lock in Wiggins. We just said that. You've got to lock in Isaiah Joe. But then do you find Sarge minutes? Do you find Lindy minutes? Do you experiment with JRE? Like, what do you do beyond that? If I had to guess, I would say it's the starting five plus Wiggins, Joe, Sarge, and Lindy. Uh, and, And I say that Lindy in the sense of like, hey, need some shooting in this spurt. Hey, it's a dead ball with like 20 seconds left. Throw Lindy in there and see what he can do. Uh, so we'll see like what the rotation looks like for OKC in this playoff game. Now, another storyline is the playoff experience of the Pelicans against the inexperience of the Thunder. Are there moments where that pops? Or is this a nothing storyline? Like, are there moments where it's like, yeah, the Thunder just let one possession turn into five bad ones? And the Pelicans overcame their one bad possession. Or do we not even notice it? Like we in the game and we're talking about so many other things besides the Thunder looked young, the Thunder looked overwhelmed. 
Like, what do the Thunder look like with that inexperience? And then perhaps the most important storyline of them all, can OKC make the Pelicans pay for double-teaming Shea? Can OKC get this ball whipped around after you double-team, triple-team SGA and collapse on him as he drives to the corner and that guy actually knocked down a shot? Because if you can make the Pelicans pay for double-teaming SGA, you're going to win the game because they're either going to stop double-teaming SGA or that hot hand is going to continue to stroke it from beyond the arc and you're going to be able to beat a team that does not shoot threes uh, at a high clip in the sense of like volume. So you would love either option if you can make them pay from doubling Shea. And that honestly might just be what this all boils down to. We might just be saying, hey, it's a close game and the Thunder either did or did not make the Pelicans pay enough for double teaming Shea. So those are the biggest storylines. Those are the X factors. Those are the best, worst, and most likely case scenario for Oklahoma City. And my prediction, I'm going to leave you with this though. As Mark said after practice, win, lose, or draw, this is not an end point. This is just the beginning. So what I would encourage you to do, and again, I'm not going to police you and tell you how to be a fan, but what I would encourage you to do is just enjoy it. Like spend today letting yourself go crazy, letting yourself go wild, letting yourself go wacky, and on Friday, win, lose, or draw, do not talk about the big picture. Do not hold yourself back embrace it. You have from now until Monday to just go crazy, win, lose, or draw, have fun, react however you want to react, be as irrational and irresponsible as you want to be because it's fun. Sports are fun and we all understand the big picture. Yes. If the Thunder win, it's awesome. If they lose, the future is still awesome, but it's okay to react to this game. It's okay to get invested. It's okay to be irrational. It's okay to go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Let's have some fun. Let's shock the world. Let's go advance to Friday. Let's make history. What do you say, boys? Be the first 10 seed to ever win against the 9 seed. And let's have some fun. You can save the measured takes for Monday. Because guess what? We're going to be here for you every single day, Monday through Friday, in your ear holes, all off season long. So we've got plenty of time to be rational. We've got plenty of time to be measured. We've got plenty of time to think big picture. But from this moment, right here that you're listening to, through the end of the weekend, let's be irrational. Let's be incredibly fun. Let's be incredibly exciting. Let's be incredibly reactionary. And let's let ourselves get lost in this experience. And then Monday, we'll come back in with a professional approach and talk about this team. But from this point moving forward, let's have some fun. What do you say? Can we all agree on that? Can we all agree that win or lose, we're not going to sit here in 24 hours from this moment and go, well, I don't know why you care so much about this game. It's not like the future of the game changed in any way or the future of the team changed in any way. It's still an incredibly bright future. We all know that. We all know that. Every human who has followed this Thunder team understands the future. But this team has played so well, and these players have played so well to put themselves in this position that they deserve a fan base who's willing to, to go cut loose and have some fun and support them and be irrational for a little bit of time. So let's see it. Let's see what happens in this game. Drop your prediction. Drop your X factor. Drop your biggest storyline on the YouTube comments. Also, follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until we recap this game after the final buzzer, be good 
and be good to one another.